0: It, screw
1: it, we just talk about comics. Welcome to Screw It, we're just going to talk about comics. That's comic books, you nitwit. Uh, that's the podcast where two brothers talk about comic books in a wholly original, amazingly different way that's never been done before. Two brothers talking about comic books on podcast format. I'm one of those two brothers. My name is Kevin Hines. I'm the other brother, and my
0: name's Will Hines.
1: Yeah, we are two brothers. We are two comedians and improv teachers and improv performers and uh, generally decent fellas uh, who live on opposite coasts and happen to be uh, have the same parents.
0: <laughs> right? Yeah, how that happened? We be- we found out. We became friends first and then yeah. realized that we had the same parents. Yeah, we
1: we noticed that we lived in the same house, so we had that in common right away. And, um, yeah, we put it together that we were brothers, and then we also realized many years later that we both liked comic books and were, in fact, reading a lot of the same ones. Yeah. Uh, and so we talk about comics. We've often talked about comic books, and this podcast is an excuse to let us talk about comic books to each other, uh, and we're recording it and forcing you to listen. You, the listener. Yes. Um, and we're wrapping up our, uh, uh, so we're sort of wrapping up our fourth season, fifth season, fifth season. Yeah, fifth season. And this season has been about the Sandman, Neil Gaiman's uh, magnificent Vertigo comic book series that ran in the early 90s. That sort of uh, vert almost uh, was one of the reasons Vertigo formed was because of this comic book. Sort of changed comic books. It was a very adult Comic book uh, uh, and sort of put Neil Gaiman on the map in a way uh, that he hadn't been before, and has led to his amazing career. I, I'm certain and no I'm sure I'm certain it's what kicked it off.
0: And uh, Kevin and I are both fans, and so yeah, we're going to wrap it up today. We're gonna we're gonna I was we were going to go over an issue from the final arc, The Wake, but I think we're just going to do a g- more general wrap up discussion. But we'll talk a little bit about The sure. Wake. But uh,
1: we've spent the previous nine episodes of this podcast talking about an issue from uh, uh, almost an issue from every trade. I think we skipped one collection and we did two from another collection uh, and now we're skipping the wake. Um, So, you know, go back and listen to those episodes. We're going to spoil everything for you. If you haven't listened to all those episodes, we're going to talk about that. We're assuming you've read all 75 issues and are a Sandman fan at this point.
0: Yeah. Although I do think like this is a pretty spoiler proof series. Like even if you know the endings and things that happen it mm-hmm. the stories are still really fun. This is not like a plot twist dependent story too much. Right. No, I don't think so. Uh, it's the characters you meet along the way and sort of the ideas and stuff like that. And, and they're just as good whether you know they're coming or not.
1: So how much of the series did you reread for this season? Well, most of it. And how was it on this reread? I loved it. Still I loved it even more.
0: Great. Um, I think it completely holds up. I can't believe how good it was just, you know, uh, this is, we've said this about Watchmen and, um, some of the Ditko Spider-Mans and, um, you know, things we've talked about that you can't believe that this stuff first came out or like Batman year one, we talked about it, like Mm -hmm. that some of this stuff just would come out as a monthly issue where it would just be like, along with, you know, issues that, you know, along as like sort of like standard fair superhero story there could be an issue of sandman which to me would be like it could be one of the best stories you'd ever read just right there, there's like marvel
1: that. team up spider-man and the wasp going uh after <laughs> yeah. arcade and next to yeah. it is dream uh yeah. murdering his own son <laughs> yeah I know. It's, just, it's, it's just like um
0: it's pretty it's pretty crazy um sometimes like the the gems that are hidden right there on the rack mm-hmm. so yeah I, I really loved it um I thought, um, I thought today we, well, I want to just, I have a sort of a grab bag of things I want to talk about today. Sure. Uh, first of all, I just want to quickly just talk about um, a few of the things that sort of happened after Sandman ended.
1: Okay. Do you want to talk first about anything in The Wake that's of okay, interest? Okay, let's, let's
0: talk about The Wake.
1: Yeah, so The Wake
0: is the final arc.
1: That we're not covering.
0: We're not really covering because, um, I don't know, I think it summarizes kind of badly, like... Um, I, it's really fun to read but it's, there's basically three issues of the burial of dream the funeral mm-hmm. and what happens is like you meet almost every character again that has been in the series uh attends the the funeral is 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 in the dreaming so to attend it you have to go to sleep and and now uh, we're talking a, you, that's my kind a, of social gathering yeah so you have a you have a dream of the funeral mm-hmm And so you get to see, like, every character, like Hob, the man who lives forever, each of the Endling siblings. um, (laughs) Endless. I I think you said Endling. Oh, my God. Yeah. Endless. I don't know why I said Endling. There's there's a weird... uh, There's lots of weird cameos. Like, um, you see Batman, Clark Kent, and the Martian Manhunter at this funeral. They have, like, a little conversation. Um, You see... I think it's the question, Rorschach and John Constantine all having a conversation and they're sort of dressed the same.
1: Is it, uh, It it must, it must be John Constantine. I was going to say, maybe it's, uh, Mr. A.
0: I don't think it's Mr. A.
1: Oh, no, it's definitely John Constantine.
0: Yeah. I'm showing Kevin the picture. That might um, be the
1: Spectre though, the other one or something like that.
0: Oh yeah. It could be like, could be like, um, the Phantom Stranger maybe. The Phantom Stranger. Like that.
1: That's who I'm thinking of. Yes.
0: That's pro- that's probably who it is. That's more of a Neil Gaiman deep cut
1: '70s. Pull. Yeah, that's definitely uh, the question uh, in the middle.
0: There's like it, it is it is from the your own point of view. You, the reader, are attending the funeral, and so there's sort of like a uh, Christopher Guest mockumentary style where all the characters are addressing you uh, and saying their feelings to you.
1: Do they um, look like out of the comic book?
0: Yeah. They, they, they like look at you or so sometimes you're eavesdropping and sometimes they look right at you and they talk like here's I'm showing Kevin. Here's Cecily Sandman's ex-girlfriend who was in a game of you. And she's like, just looking at the reader and saying how she feels. Hmm. She cries at the end beach Weak. <laughs> yeah. Which is weak. And that's why Sandman broke up with her. And it, it's, it's sort of plotless like dream dies in issue 69 And then there's three issues of a funeral, but like somehow it's just so entertaining to hear these people chat and there's creepy little Sandman stuff. Like they do go to the city of the dead that we talked about in the ceremony issue. And they, they go to this room beneath the city and get the appropriate, uh, ceremonial objects to bury dream with. And there's like a whole little ritual they do. And that's kind of creepy and fun. And that's very Sandman. And, it's got that, mix, that that Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy thing we've talked about throughout this series where they sort of uh, casually talk about very grand things in a way that's funny. You know what I mean? Like, yes. He's all the way dead, is he? Yes, that's right. All the way dead. Ah, oh, it's a shame. I was hoping there'd be a little left. Like that sort of mm-hmm. stuff kind of happens
1: a lot. And then after that, there's two single issue stories to wrap up the Three. whole thing. Three.
0: There's one where we visit Hob again, the man who lives forever, and we see how he's doing, and death visits him and asks if he wants to die, and he says no. But we see his life, uh, and it's in our time. And it's very funny. It's set at a Renaissance fair. He's dating a woman who is a waiter at a Renaissance fair, and he remembers the actual Renaissance. <laughs> he's walking around being like, this is incredibly dumb. Like, you could actually do better than this without even trying that hard, but you wouldn't like it. There should be flies in all this food, and like... Uh, <laughs> We should smell shit everywhere.
1: (laughs) Uh, He'd be annoying to be at the Renaissance Fair with.
0: Then there's an issue of Shakespeare writing The Tempest. It was established much earlier, like what we've said before. There's Shakespeare all over Sandman series. You can't go like three issues without Shakespeare like showing up or like somebody talking about King Lear or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was established in like issue 19 or something that Dream gave Shakespeare his writing ability in exchange for for two plays about dreams and one of them is Midsummer Night's Dream and that's issue 19. And then this is the Tempest. Um, and it kind of is just going over what Shakespeare's life is like and dream visits him, um, to see how it's going or yeah. whatever. And it's implied in this issue. And I think this is not totally true that Shakespeare finishes the Tempest and then he loses his ability to write. Hmm. Like he finished the contract. And I bet, so that's, no true. Longer has I bet that's true. I bet
1: that's true.
0: And it's really fun. And then there's a final issue in like which men are lost in a reality storm in the desert. And they like, uh, they're trading stories and talking about nightmares and stuff like that. Oh, wait a minute. I got it mixed up. The Shakespeare one is the very last issue.
1: You got the order mixed up with all those, I things. Or-
0: it's all those things. It's the Hob issue. And then the reality storm in the desert and then the Shakespeare issue. And that's the last issue. Of I
1: get the feeling of Hobb that Neil Gibbon wrote that issue. Then brought Hobb back like in that little moment. In uh, Season of Mist. In Season of Mist to say like goodbye to him. And then sort of was like, oh, I want to keep seeing this character because he doesn't he shows need, up a lot. He doesn't need to show up in uh, World's End and he does. Yeah. He's, he's got
0: a big part in World's End. Yeah.
1: And I think that just felt like, oh, I like this character. And I feel like
0: he's in Kindly Ones, which makes a little
1: bit of sense in just wrapping things up, unless it's a big part in Kindly Ones.
0: No, but it's just one of the dream is visiting him. (laughs) There's like three times where dream visits him to be like, I think I'm about to die.
1: Yeah. And definitely like this last issue just feels like I got to wrap up this guy. I've now visited him too many times. He's become a big character. Or maybe he always knew. Shakespeare sort of feels like he knew he was going to do a couple extra Shakespeare stories. Yeah. Uh, but Hobbs, I wonder if Hobbs like took on a life of his own a little bit.
0: You know, it's impossible to know, of course, like how much artists plan ahead, but uh, maybe because we're improvisers. But I always kind of assume that stuff is unplanned that did Did you hear the story about how the silver surfer got like invented like with Lee and Kirby
1: a little bit? Yes. Um, like Kirby drew it on some page and Stanley's like put more of that in. I like that, dude.
0: Yes. Uh, let's make this guy a character just based on the look. Yeah. And then Kirby whipped him up into a whole thing.
1: Yeah. But like it's but like central of, to the plot of the Galactus the first Galactus plot, he saves the world.
0: Yes. Um so he really whipped it up a lot. Yeah. But uh um but I feel like that's the way it kind of happens a lot. Like you don't I i do you remember Bloom County, the comic book strip? <laughs> sure, yeah, of course. Well the the star of that strip is Milo Bloom, the newspaper editor. Right. Uh, and he is supposed to be the central character. But if you ask anybody who remembers Bloom County who the main character is, they might not even know that Milo Bloom is a character in that strip. And right. Opus, the penguin, is the main character. Or maybe Bill the Cat might be the one they remember. But like, They
1: definitely remember Opus. But I would yeah. say Bill the Cat is probably the second most remembered character. And then maybe yeah. like Steve Dallas. Steve Dallas, <laughs>
0: right, right. <laughs> and then Quiche Lorraine and then Donald Trump. Those yeah, are the yeah. main characters. But... Uh, I'm just saying, they don't know when they start, to, or Charlie Brown, right? Like, right. Snoopy sort of took over from, uh, took over Peanuts from within, kind yeah. of. Yeah.
1: I mean, Charlie Brown still held on, I think. Sure, Charlie
0: Brown maintained, he's one of the central sons of yes. that uh, galaxy, but... um,
1: But Snoopy certainly became a bigger part than you'd think Charlie Brown's dog should be.
0: I have the dumbest examples of this, or like, Happy Days started, and it was focusing on Richie Cunningham, but then the Fonz shows up, and mm-hmm. he's supposed to be like... Just a Kramer character, but he ends up basically being the star of Happy Days.
1: Yeah. Or Michael um, J. Fox on Family Ties. That's less yeah, of like, a big so, deal because he was a major character on the show, but it was supposed to be about the parents. It's
0: supposed to be evenly distributed, like, oh, the generational divide between these hippie
1: parents and their 80s kids. But, but I think yeah, it, but Alex the, Keaton just takes over. But the parents were, like, established, or definitely the mom was.
0: Yes, yeah. She was, like, the main star of that show. So, yeah. Actor, yeah. So, like... Yeah, you don't know how it's going to shake up and I think um the best people kind of roll with stuff pretty pretty well. Like and I think the Sandman for all of its like times that it says here are the rules of the dreaming, I believe that Neil Gaiman is making those up at the moment he writes that line. That he's not thought about it that much before. And like when he when he got to like deciding that death like in the very first issue of Sandman, it is established that there is Dream and he has a sibling, Death, who's a woman. They're like, ah, oh, we meant to catch your sister. We got you. You'll have to do. And then at some point, Neil's like, oh, maybe I'll give him other siblings. And I think it's like as he's coming up on issue whatever, Season of Mists, whatever issue that was, we, we never got that right, 21 or 22 or whatever, that only then does he pick the siblings and he's like, yeah, maybe I'll have this many. Yeah, maybe this, 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 add this person, this. Yeah, that seems pretty good. Like, I, I don't believe it was thought out much before that. I have no idea to, I, you know, I'll say why I think that actually. And I have, have no evidence. I have not read or anything. Mm-hmm. It just, it, it's because the rules that he makes up, they're both, they're like a little sloppy. Like they don't make sense if you were going to map out, they they feel like an improvised lie. And not like a planned kingdom.
1: I mean, he definitely didn't write those first six issues going, I'm going to do 75 issues. It's going to end with his death. Right. He might have realized pretty early on that maybe he was going to work towards his death. Yeah, probably. But I don't think he... Maybe he did. I don't know. I don't know. I, maybe it's
0: one of those things where like you, you know, a lot of things go through your mind. You're mm-hmm. like, oh, maybe he'll end up dying... Maybe he'll end up facing off against this magician in the first issue at the very end, you know. Maybe he'll get married to Fonzie. Yeah, yeah.
1: Fonzie was a big part of uh, Sam. The early drafts of Sammy. Yeah, yeah. I
0: think it was a mistake to cut him out. But um, so, so the, the the wake the wake is sort of a long victory lap of revisiting old characters, and it's enjoyable. It, it might it might be just a little bit drawn out. I don't know, but I, I don't know. I liked reading it. So who am I to say?
1: Um, it's interesting ending on sort of three done in one stories. Um, just,
0: just leftover ones he had, maybe.
1: Yeah, rather than like ending on the actual wake, but um,
0: maybe he wanted to hit seventy five. Maybe he just had like the numer It's a numerology. Thing. Yeah, it's kind of just a nice number.
1: Um, I mean, ending with Shakespeare also feels. No one's going to argue with that, I guess. So then, after the wake, what happens with Sandman? Nothing ever, right? We never hear from Sandman or Neil Gaiman again. That's it. Uh, he's a lost artist. He's like JD
0: Salinger. I think he should do something. Mm-hmm. Um, well, okay, this is where our podcast really falls short. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I do know some of this, but like the Sandman, the character Dream, only Neil Gaiman has ever has has used Dream, and he's used him. Morpheus, the, in, the incarnation of dream that we know yes. throughout the series. Um and he's, he has used him a couple of times but not that often. Many of the other characters in the Sandman universe have been used a lot. And I and like you've mentioned several times, they are sort of still in play in the DC Comics universe.
1: Yeah, there's tons and tons of Sandman universe spin-offs.
0: Yeah, um I um, some of the ones I've read are The Dead Boy Detectives who are two two right. kids who when um, all the when hell is opened up and everybody from hell just runs over the earth, there's a one shot story of two kids in a British boarding school who are tortured by all the evil ghosts of that boarding school's past and they die. Um, but then at the end, nobody comes to collect their ghosts because the afterlife is overwhelmed. So they decide just to run along the earth as dead boys solving mysteries. And that is a spin-off story by Ed Brubaker, I think.
1: Yeah, he definitely did. uh, They might have done multiple. He definitely did one of them. Uh, Thessaly, I know, was one. I think that was by Bill Willingham of Freight Fables. Um, Um, There's been a couple on the Dreaming itself. Just the world of the Dreaming with Daniel Dream. Uh, I don't think Daniel has even been a part of it. I think it's like Merv Pumpkinhead and Lucian and and those characters, sort of. Hmm. I haven't read him. So um, I read a couple issues of the most recent Dreaming, I should say, because Tom Fowler was doing art and I really like his work. Oh, no, he does books of magic. Anyway, uh, I tried the first few issues of kind of all the recent um, Sandman books. I didn't stick with any of them, but they're all pretty good.
0: I, I haven't read those, but whenever Neil Gaiman does a Sandman story, I read it. And he's done, to my knowledge, three. Well, okay, first, there were two Death miniseries. He did the High Cost of Living and Time of Your Life.
1: Was the first one during the run of Sandman, yes. Though, right?
0: Yes, yes. Maybe both of them were. The first one definitely was. Um, and they were really fun. I've definitely read the first one. I maybe haven't read the second one. I mean, there's there's an argument to be made that, like, <laughs> Death is just a better character than Dream and should have been, like, done a lot more with. I don't know. Um, They... The high cost of living is the is something that is introduced in the main story of Sandman, which is that once a century death is like permitted to spend a day on earth as a mortal just to see what life is like uh with the people whose lives she takes and um and uh and so one of them is we see her basically get into a relationship with a teenage boy and fall in love feels inappropriate. Eventually. Probably she's millions of years old, but um, and uh, that's really fun. And then I, gosh, I can't remember the time at what the time of your life is about.
1: Yeah, I think the the one I read was definitely the one where she gets to be alive. Um, uh, and then there was also a couple of Sandman's follow ups, right? Wasn't there like a graphic novel or like a self contained story that's like like prose with illustration.
0: Yes, he claimed it was a Japanese, um, oh, there's a destiny story, a chronicle of deaths foretold. I've never even knew about this.
1: Is it by Neil Gaiman?
0: No, it's not. Okay, no. good. That's why I didn't hear about it. Whew. Um, uh, I'm sorry, Kevin, what did you just ask me that I'm trying to there figure out?
1: There was a out? prose illustrated Sandman story, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's He claimed it
0: was like a Japanese folktale that he had dug up. Um, but it was not, it was just a story he made up entirely initially was all prose and then it was released with illustrations and the name of it is super well known. And anybody who's a real fan knows this name Mm -hmm. and would be able to just say it. Sure. Sure. what you're about to do, which I easily remember it. And so that's no problem for me to say, um, the dream hunters, right? Just rolls off your tongue just rolls off the tongue i had it the whole time and uh i don't remember it i remember reading it and really liking it but the the thing i and then then he did endless nights which i love and i think that is just as good as the original series and is a that, must buy is
1: that the one jh williams did yeah that i read that one. Oh no 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 that isn't
0: i think he did one of the issues of dream dream uh jh williams endless,
1: did like a yeah. mini series that involved like a giant cat.
0: Yes, that's the overture.
1: Okay, that's what I've read.
0: Yes, that came out not terribly long ago, like no. five
1: years ago or something. Like for the anniversary, some some yeah, anniversary. That's
0: also really good. And his his art is so... So I have not read Endless Nights then. Oh yeah, Endless Nights is, I think, a must read. Dream Hunters is good. High cost of living is good. I barely remember time of your life, but I remember thinking it was good, but like Endless nights to me is a home run It's some of my favorite sandman stories hmm. and it, he he did it sometime after the original, like fifteen years or ten years um but there's like one story for each of the endless and uh, two thousand three so about like uh not uh like 10 seven years. years after the original oh, seven years, yeah. yeah just about. Yeah, seven years after the original series ended. And boy, each story was so good. Um or the destiny one is barely a story because how do you tell a character how do you it's like doing a Dr. Manhattan story. It's like mm-hmm. just a person who knows everything. But um Death's story was so good. Um I'm gonna can I tell you the ideas of some sure. of them? Sure. <laughs> this is now going from memory. I have not reread that I actually went to look for I forgot that when I moved to LA in um the end of 2013, 10 years after
1: Endless Nights.
0: Exactly. Which is why I moved. Um, You know, I had all these books in my New York apartment and rather than move them, I gave a ton of them away and I gave away all of my Sandman collections. Cause my thinking was any book that I can repurchase or get from a library, I'll give away unless it's like given to me as a gift. Um, Just cause it's like, we have s- such access to media that we don't need to just have our own personal copy of it. This is what I was thinking, whether or not that's dumb. but I like gave away like a hugely high percentage of my books, and I just thought, oh, I'll just buy them again, And I have rebought almost every Sandman volume because I come to a time where I want it I'm like I got to have it, and I've rebought it except for endless nights I haven't repurchased. I just haven't got around to it. Mm-hmm. In fact, I ordered it while we were recording this, <laughs> okay but um. So I don't have a copy to refer to. So this is just me remembering it from 2003. But Death Story, which is I think the first – I think there was like a little prologue of Destiny and then Death is the next story. And it's like there's scenes of um, a like a um, super uh, in, hedonistic party that looks like it's in like the 1800s where some like Italian or Spanish – Royal royalty is like just throwing the party to end all parties. And like, there's just everyone's dressed up and there's like all this food going around and there's like sex happening in this room. And there's weird entertainment where people are being brought out and like shot for fun. Um, And, and then you realize that the party restarts every day. Everybody kind of, it's like groundhog day. Like they just get to live this day over and over again. And if they die or not is almost irrelevant because everybody comes back. And that's why they're so casual about everything they're doing. Uh, and there's a parallel story of a kid, modern times going through, I think it's Italy going through these ruins. Um, and they cut back and forth and this kid searching through ruins and this indulgent party. And then the kid in our time stumbles upon death who we, the reader recognizes death and he doesn't know. And she's like standing outside a door And uh, he's like, uh, what are you doing? She's like, I'm waiting to get in here. And he's like, well, why don't you just go in? She's like, not allowed. I need someone else to open it. And then you realize that the main duke found some spell that keeps death out of their castle as long as nobody leaves. So they just have gotten into some weird loophole where they'll live forever Mm -hmm. as long as nobody opens the door or something. And this kid's like, I'll open it. And he opens up the door, and she goes in, and they all just instantly, finally die. And she takes them all. And she's waited, like, 150
1: years. And that kid has to live with that.
0: Yeah. I just remember thinking it was rad. Like, the way it kind of, like, the way it slowly dawns on you what's happening. Mm-hmm. And the specifics of the party are very, like, Neil Gaiman-y and strange. Like, a lot of the characters have, like, backstories that are just casually referred to, which, of course, like, Neil Gaiman characters... They, you could imagine them like spinning off and stuff like that. That was just the first story. I was like, this is awesome.
1: <laughs> and then every issue after that, same story.
0: <laughs> yeah, in a very meta move. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a good story. Um, it's a good story. I remember the dream story is kind of got like he, um, It's it takes place like, In very ancient times, and the Endless are visiting with suns and planets, like suns and planets have manifest as people, and they are somehow talking with the Endless to make their pitch of, it's like all the stars are very young. But they have dreams, and they have desires and despairs, and they're worried about their deaths. And, um, that's fun.
1: Okay. I'll have to check and this out. there's a shot.
0: The, the part of it that I remember is in that story, there is despair is the original despair because it was revealed in the Sandman series that the despair that we know is the second person to be despair. Mm-hmm. So you meet the original despair who is a totally different personality. But it looks just like despair. And despair is talking to the son of Krypton. Oh, interesting. And is like, I've got a. I got a special plan for you. You will lose your planet. You will have the most glorious planet in the solar system, but it will be, you are going to destroy it. It will, it will die in your, uh, you'll have to watch it die. And the planet's like, why, why, what did I do? Like, Please? That's not fair. And, uh, either dream or somebody else was, okay, I will we'll add a, you will, there will be one, uh, one air of your planet that will live. And be a great man. Right. Spider-Man. And it was only after I read it like the second time that I was like, oh, it's Superman. They're Oh, talking Spider-Man. About Superman. I thought it was Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> I think the name of the planet was Rao, a- R-A-O or something. The sun, but it was yeah. Like, right. Kind of a cool like nerd reference. That's in a sort super, of like Superman would
1: say like great Rao or something in the. Uh, yes,
0: yes. So like despair is talking to a star called Rao. But like it was subtle enough that I missed it at first. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is, they're setting up Superman here. That's kind of fun.
1: Um, so now Neil Gaiman gets commission every time Superman is used. It was a real smart move, smart move.
0: Yeah. He got, he got copyright. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, he's like, take that Siegel and Schuster. (laughs) Yeah. That's the name of the story. Take that Siegel and Schuster. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. Vindictive for man like Neil Gaiman. I don't think he would do that, but I guess he did. Um, and then, uh,
0: destruction, is Oh, some of these I remember were quite short. Like one of them is about a, a soldier who meets desire and falls in love with her and just lusts for her so badly it ruins her life. Not just lusts, mm-hmm. loves and lusts. Um, but uh, the, the best story is Destruction, the lost endless who's just roaming the earth and comes along an archaeological dig Where they have this great, great find they're super excited about. It's an it's a meteor that has crashed and they don't know what it is. And destruction wanders up and realizes that it is a collection of weapons from another incredibly powerful weapons. And they can't tell the the archaeologist cannot discern the technology, but he recognizes it right away. He's like, Oh yeah, these are weapons of destruction. And and they're like, How do you know? He's like, They're all the same. All weapons of destruction. They all look the same. Um, and he basically convinces them to destroy it and to not to not salvage it. Good guy. I don't know. I love it. I love Endless Nights. I'll have um, to check it out. Yeah, uh, Frank. What's his name? Quietly. Yeah, Quietly. He did the art for the destruction one, and oof, is it good? I mean, all the the art for the, everything is really good.
1: That must have been exciting, especially at that point, because I mean, it's not like he didn't get great artists before, but. Now this comic sort of sat there and become even greater and greater. And now there's all these yes. new artists on the scene who would like kind of come up revering it. Yeah. I thought that when J.H. Williams III did Overture, uh, I was like, well, he is a perfect Sandman artist. Like yes. his work on Promethea feels like this guy is. It feels ad- like Sandman. It feels yeah. like he's auditioning to do Sandman, a comic that doesn't exist anymore. And then he got to do I tol- it. I totally agree. When I read Promethea, which
0: I love and it's insane. Prometheus, is yes. crazy. But beautiful. I mean, I think J.S. Williams kind of saves Promethea. Like, he he makes it much more readable than it would be.
1: Yeah, if if it didn't have an artist of that caliber, Promethea is a cool idea, but kind of a boring read.
0: Or it starts off pretty traditional, but it quickly just becomes a diatribe on the philosophy of magic. I mean, the
1: the second 12 issues of Promethea, which is like 12 to 24, 13 to 24, which is just an exploration of all the levels of magic. (laughs) Yeah. Is... One of my favorite reads ever. I didn't understand any of it. I found it captivating and beautiful.
0: Yes. Me too. I found that I felt the same way. Mm-hmm. I loved it. And it's to, to J. H. Williams' credit, I think.
1: Yeah, he's amazing.
0: Um so yeah, and I and I remember reading it being like, this feels like a Sandman story. Um and 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 his art is great of Overture. For some reason I feel like the story of Overture it didn't grab me as much. I, I do remember enjoying it, but like it didn't stick with me.
1: I don't remember it that well. I only read it the one time, but I remember really enjoying it. And that's somebody who is not a huge Sandman fan. Like I haven't read all the Sandman at that point, but I remember just reading and being like, oh, new Sandman. Let's see if it's good. I'm like, oh, this is good. I like this. Um, But uh, Endless Nights I must have missed. You said it's 2003. Yeah, I don't have a good reason for missing that. I was in New York. You should have told me about it. Hmm. 2003, um, though the Red Sox just missed the World Series. I probably wasn't in any <laughs> emotional shape.
0: Um, oh, I remember in the in the Dream story. I'm looking on the Wikipedia. I, I forgot the main part of it. I remember the Superman part. Dream is dating, um, like an alien, <laughs> and Desire convinces her to fall in love with a star and leave him, and that begins the the dislike of desire and dream. Hmm. And also uh, Delirium has not yet become Delirium. You see her as Delight. She's like happy and together. That's nice. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I really love it. So I I think I really do like though that Neil Gaiman has not done too much with Sandman. I, I, I think it's one of those things where I like that the original body of work is sort of left to just be high quality and hasn't, can't really be tarnished by sort of a, a lame reboot or something like mm-hmm. that. I mean, endless nights and overture were a little bit of a, they were more of a revisiting than like a sure, full yeah. reboot. And so they, Endless nights sounds was,
1: more like untold tales.
0: Exactly. Like they, it didn't seem like it was not framed as Sandman's back. It was just like, Oh, this would be kind of fun.
1: I think overture was about Daniel. So that feels like a little, like a,
0: yes, that's right. That's right. Like a a new story, new
1: Or at least mostly about Daniel.
0: Um, Neil Neil Gaiman. Um, I am a fan of Neil Neil Gaiman. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, was what have I read? Uh, Good Omens, um, American Gods, um, Coraline. Uh, Cori- wait Coraline. That's Cor- Coraline. Coraline is, is a Shakespeare play. Coraline uh, saw the movie. They might be giants. Song.
1: Um, <laughs> and what did one? No, uh, no. They sing like they do the singing voice of one of the characters.
0: Um, I don't remember, but the character's is portrayed in a very John Linnell like style yeah. at when they're singing that song. Um, um and that might be that might be it from what I've read of Neil. King. Read, I didn't read his like 1602 or whatever that was.
1: The comic book, yeah. Yeah. It's not good. Uh I read Neverwhere. Um, I read Good yeah. Omens. Uh I read American it's, Gods. I read very recently I read the um
0: is Mirror Mask one of the things he did?
1: Uh, maybe I read a short story collection, Smoke and Mirrors. Is that him? I'll find out. That's good. Whatever, whatever it's called, it's a good collection. And then I read very recently. I read um, oh, what was this short? St- he wrote like a no- novella, like the house, the house at the lake, or something like that. Oh, what was that called? The, the Ocean at the End of the Lane. Yes, that's it. Uh, and I loved it. Oh, really? I really, really love that. I'm really into novellas recently. They're really quick reads and they're really fun. Uh, particularly when I was working in New York, they're great like commute reads. And man, um, I read that. and I was like, oh man, this is hitting me right where I want story. <laughs> it was perfect. Oh, great. It was like a modern um, horror fairy tale. Not modern. Uh, yeah. Modern. I mean, it's, it, it. it just felt cool. Um, so I think
0: stardust is what I was trying to think of when I said,
1: oh yeah, yeah. I did not read stardust.
0: Um, uh, 1602 was the comics he did for
1: Marvel, which I think he did to earn money to, for a lawsuit he was in with Todd McFarlane.
0: Okay. And then he did, uh, the Eternals.
1: Right. I didn't read that either. Um, soon to be a major motion picture.
0: Is it based on his writing? I have no it?
1: idea. I doubt it.
0: Um, I guess he did something called Norse mythology, like his retelling. of the Norse That's going not
1: now. That's a current comic now, but I think that's just adapting from his book on Norse mythology. Okay. Um, and so...
0: I mean, I've, I've liked every single thing of his I've read. For whatever reason, nothing has grabbed me as solidly as Sandman. Like, American Gods I really enjoyed, but um, I do remember, I mean, it was just like a slog. Like, it, it started off great, it ended great, and there was this long stretch in the middle where I was, like, just kind of pushing myself through it. And I, in Sandman, I could never stop reading. Like, I just could tear through everything. Um, Good Omens was a bit easier to read, but you know he co-wrote that with Terry Pratchett, and Terry Pratchett's voice is very dominant in that book. Yes, um, I would almost say it's more of a Terry Pratchett novel with sort of some Neil Gaiman like preludes and connective tissue.
1: Yeah, I didn't love Good Omens. I didn't love American Gods. I liked parts of American Gods. I really, really enjoyed Neverwhere. Um, which I think maybe was... Ocean at the end of the I think Neverwhere is maybe written as like a radio drama or something and then adapted into a book or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's one of those weird things, sort of like Hitchhikers. Um, but I really enjoyed... Neverwhere definitely feels like a Hitchhikers, um, like Neil Gaiman's version of Hitchhikers. But I like Hitchhikers enough that I was like, oh, I'm into this. Oh, you're right. It was a radio teleplay and then it got adapted into a book. Um, and then... He, uh, he, he adapted it into a book. Yes, yes. I don't know if I've read Coraline. I've seen the movie and enjoy it um, a lot. Um, but yeah, uh, and I read a short story collection, which like half those stories are amazing and the other half are good.
0: Um, I wonder which one it is. It's it's not the graveyard book. That's a children's book. No,
1: it's like it's something like Smoke and Mirrors or something like that. If, if, that, if there's anything like that on there. Are you looking at it as... Uh,
0: yeah, I'm, I, this is a website I, had, I have called Wikipedia.
1: Okay, cool, cool. Never heard of it.
0: Um, I don't think you'd like it. Uh, I'm going to, um, I'm going to find out. I'll find out what he's done here.
1: Um, uh, where is it? Smoke and mirrors. Yeah, that's it.
0: Oh, for some reason I can't see it here.
1: Just Google Neil Gaiman short stories.
0: Oh yeah. Smoke and mirrors. Um, what's the Ansari boys? Is that another thing he's done? That is know. like the a, that smart. is
1: like a companion novel to the American gods. Okay. Okay. Which I have not read. Cause I didn't love the um, American gods. So I didn't go and read the companion book and there's parts of American gods that are great, but there's just part, I just oh, didn't yeah. care about the main story. I just cared about like the myths.
0: That's sort of common about Sandman stuff. Like the side characters and the digressions were almost more reliable than the main thrust of the story, even in Sandman, I think, a lot of times. Um, let's take
1: a short break and then let's Oh gosh, that's right. Do some email and then wrap this up. In that order, I think. Okay. <laughs> Reach out and tell us anything, honestly, and we might talk about it on a future episode of this podcast. Thanks for listening to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics from Campfire Media. Back? So uh, I think we should do a couple quick emails, see how much time where we're at, and then if we've got time, I've got a few other things we can talk about. Or unless there's something okay. else you need to say in this nope, I've
0: I've, I, I've got it, and I just... Thank you, Kevin, for letting us cover Sandman. Um, You're welcome. Or just for agreeing to. You owe me
1: big. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We've got uh, a few emails. We've got a couple from Benjamin Ordung. Remember him? Context, history, whatever? Yes. Do you want me to summarize or do you want me to read the whole thing? Your call. I'm going to summarize. Okay. Uh, He talks about a... uh, Issue of Legends of the Dark Knight, issue number ninety-four, that he read. Okay. That um, was one of these stories where it seems like uh, each chapter was illustrated like in a different style, like a Bob Kane style and Dick Sprang style, Neil Adams, Frank Miller style. Um, uh, he goes, "I don't recall it being an amazing comic or significant in any way. It doesn't even really have Batman in it." Perhaps he saves them in the end. Who knows? He doesn't seem to remember. You're obviously covering comics and series that resonate or got stuck in your head. But are there any comics out there that you have absolutely no idea why you remember it? Like a comic that sticks in your head, but isn't that amazing? Hmm. Um, it's a weird question. Yeah, it is a very weird question. I'm summarizing. It's so, all uh, he, he wrote it in a long way. <laughs> I
0: you know I, I think like. When I was reading the most comics, um, a uh, a striking cover or just like an interesting moment could stick with me. Even if the, I, I remember there was a, an issue of Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man where Kyle Baker did the cover and it was like Santa Claus holding a
1: gun. Yeah. I think Peter and David wrote that issue.
0: I think Peter David wrote the issue and, and Kyle Baker did not draw the issue. I don't think it was just the cover. And that stuck with me, but I don't remember the issue. Speaking of Peter David, Spidey in the suburbs always stuck with me, but I'm not sure if that yeah, but would that, actually but be good like a, if I reread
1: it. That's a I bet it's pretty good. Um, It probably isn't as good as you remember, but I bet it's pretty good. Yeah, there's lots of comics that stick with me. I've read so many now that I don't think there's anything that I remembered like, oh, this isn't extremely bad or extremely good. It's just like the mediocre stuff I as as lost in the sea. There's definitely lots of comic books. I remember like moments from,
0: right. Like we talked about the moment where, um, human torch shaves off, uh, Prince Namor's beard to discover he's the Submariner in FF number
1: five. Yeah. Four, four. Um, and, um, and that stuck, stick stuck with us. Yeah. So sometimes I'll like, I won't remember like a series or a run that much, but I'll remember a moment here or a moment there. um, I can't think of like any like, oh, this comic was bad and I don't like it. Uh, or I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't even know if I can remember any like really atrocious comics. If they're atrocious, I don't remember them well. Some of the stuff I read as a kid, just when there was a novelty
0: to comic books at all, I remember them. I read this like giant sized Batman comic in the 70s that was like the Joker uh, opens up a hamburger chain. Sure. He goes straight and opens up a restaurant chain of fast food hamburgers and the, and they're a hit. Like everybody across the country is eating these burgers like crazy. And it turns out all of the restaurants are outfitted with cameras that hypnotize you. One, into thinking the burgers are good. Mm-hmm. And two, creating you as a sleeper agent that the Joker could like invoke at some point. Smart move. And uh, Batman like foils them, And I bet you that's. I bet you that comic is bad. <laughs> but, um, doesn't sound great. But uh, I loved it. And, like, and I still remember it now. I, mean, I remember reading it like in a hotel, uh, like on some family trip or something and just being riveted by
1: it. I mean, I remember you having a digest with Superman Red, Superman Blue in it.
0: Oh, I remember that very well. And, and I, I loved, loved that. So, so
1: I reread that story over and over and over again. I think that's good, though. I think it is like a very fun Imaginary Elsewhere's tale.
0: I I remember that collection very well. In that same collection, there's like there's the issue that's like the that's like the gimmick Superman book. It's like one of them. There's the super car and the super right dog and horse. That there's an issue with all of them in it. Um, don't remember. There's the the, yeah. the origin of Bizarro is in that collection. I think I the mostly creation. just remember
1: Superman Red, and Superman Blue. We had that and one. And we on had the like cover. the Origins volume with Metamorpho and the Atom, which we've talked about before. The one thing I remember from the Adam story is how to tell stalactites (laughs) and stalagmites apart.
0: Yeah, me too. I remember the panel.
1: (laughs) Um, I think I do too. I remember a few moments from it, but I don't remember much about that issue. I remember like a little bit like the white dwarf. I don't remember like how he solved the problem of not blowing up or whether it just didn't blow him up for some reason.
0: Right. He kept shrinking things and they would explode, but he didn't explode when he shrank or whatever.
1: Anyway. Um, yeah, but I, I don't have a good answer for you, Ben. Sorry. Ben, your, your brain is interesting and ours is not as interesting. Uh, so Benjamin sends a, a second email. Um, and, and Benjamin e- doesn't like to just send one email. No, no, he does not. Uh, and in this email he asks, uh, in your opinion, what format makes the best Sandman television series? Um, hmm. What format? Yeah, and then he sort of like lists a bunch that are clearly bad, like Riverdale, teen drama. Mm, uh mm, can't be mm. supernatural crazy preacher no. trippy legion nope. game of thrones r-rated um but i think it's basically just like a, a well-done hbo show is the way to do it yeah um so i'd rather ask, ask mean, this question if you will instead of that question i don't think that's an interesting question like okay, i think a, i have an answer to it okay, okay well, go ahead. give me your answer then first
0: Well, i think tales from the crypt is a better inspiration? Like you wouldn't want a crazy Crypt Keeper yeah, thing, yeah. but an anthology feel. But wouldn't the um, best
1: version of Sandman just be like a pretty faithful, well done retelling of these issues?
0: Yes, of course. Um,
1: I don't know. It's so tricky. Uh, um, I mean, they're making it. So that's we'll see what they choose to do, what Neil chooses to do with that.
0: There, have we talked about this? There's like a fan-made short film of Sandman out there that that uh, they filmed the sto- the diner story that we didn't go over from the first seven issues. There's like a pretty gory and terrifying horror story in issue like six or something like that where uh, Dr. Destiny or whatever his name is or John D. Dr. Destiny. Um, with the Sandman's ruby Goes into a diner, assumes control of everybody in there, and spends twenty four hours just making them all torture each other in various ways um, until Sandman shows up at the end and wants his ruby. And so somebody like filmed that issue, uh, fan fan made mm-hmm. like, it, and it's one of those things that it's both low budget but done quite well. Like it looks really good like somebody spent a lot of yeah there's a lot of these really creativity. good fan
1: films like that that are fun
0: yeah so this was one and um I mean it's a it's incredible I have to say something negative about it though which is that like I think it somehow misses the tone of the comic and I don't know I can't point to anything that's like bad it's just the sum total of it does not have the effect of reading the book and I, you know, smarter people than me will have to figure that out, but I don't know what it is. It's they, they nailed the look of it. Yeah. And and they just did the script. Like they, they were faithful to the story.
1: Yeah. I think a um, good adaption of salmon doesn't have to be faithful. They probably skip some stories or change some things. It's too much to cover it all. So you have to pick and choose they, what you're going to cover.
0: I think the challenge is so much of salmon, you know, having just reread most of it is like, one person telling another person a cool idea like right. that happens so often in Sandman where someone's like I come from a city where blah 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 you know and it's like oh that sounds good but in a book you can read dialogue it's it's internal it lives in your head in the voice that you give it it can be sort of more lively and that it, it seems like that would be challenging television yeah.
1: I think you'd probably cut like a third of the Sandman probably create a few new things especially if Neil's involved he's gonna help do that but here's my other question. What is a believable adaption that could exist that you think would be a terrible Sandman adaption, but one that you think could happen? <laughs> like, um, uh, like it wouldn't be like, uh, you know, you, it has to be something like you could imagine a television channel going, yeah, we got the rights to Sandman.
0: Okay, well, uh, this is kind of a boring answer, but like a Watchmen Zack Snyder style remake where it like looks cool. But they like sex it up and action it up mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, they really play up like Sandman fighting Lucifer for his helmet. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they miss Sandman and Death hanging out in Washington Square Park.
1: Um, can you imagine a version where like like the Lucifer series is just Lucifer solving crimes? <laughs> can you imagine a version with Dream uh, and maybe Delirium showing up once in a while to help someone uh, solve horror, I mean, horror crimes with his Dream abilities? I
0: think it'd be easier to make a delirium series with delirium solving crimes than it would be dream. Like dream was such a mopey weird teenager. <laughs> like, but I think I could I could a delirium horror anthology. That one I could imagine easily.
1: Um, you could probably do a death series pretty easily too, as you said. I think you
0: could do an endless series. That might be the way to go to like switch amongst all of them, because I could imagine a good destruction story.
1: Mm-hmm. One season um, for each one. As the focus.
0: I don't know. Maybe like there's a season where they're you're, you're, you're just the, the final episode is all of them together at dinner. Like, and you're just getting to know them throughout the season.
1: Uh, we have an email from Nick wood. Uh, Hey guys, I heard your podcast today and you went on a bit about things getting deed. Remember this? (laughs) Well, and how that might be young person slang as a younger person. I can tell you that means to dick someone down, pardon my French, but to fuck someone. So yeah, conversation was hilarious. Keep it up. Milk sots. Uh, I do remember this conversation. We we knew that, Nick. <laughs> uh, well, I, don't I don't remember this. What were we talking about? Uh, somehow D. How did it? How how did we talk about somebody being D? Because deed? of all the D names.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So somehow it <laughs> just came up being d but like, and we used it inappropriately. That, that was the yeah. joke. I think. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It feels lame to say. I guess that's on us if it wasn't obvious. Yeah, yeah, I mean. yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, we, gotta, we are
0: professional comedians. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were real middle of the pack mm-hmm. in a
1: theater where everybody was trained to like us if you're not <laughs> laughing every other thing we say you missed a joke <laughs> don't assume we didn't make a joke assume you missed it yeah we got an email from uh gabe uh russo who says hi sop and waste Ooh. Uh, i've been enjoying the current show in sandman in the past i read some sandman but not a lot I got the occasional issue and I have a couple of trade paperbacks, the first, third, and death, high cost of living. My reading habits kind of mimic the podcast and jumping around. Recently, I picked up Books of Magic, which, while not written by Neil Gaiman, is set in the world and I enjoyed it. A little Harry Potter-ish, but fun. Anyway, I have a 14-year-old trans son who's now very into Sandman. He picked up the first trade and loved it, so now we've gotten uh, trades up to number seven. I've told him about the podcast, but that is a bridge too far, seemingly. I think I understand. (laughs) Yeah, he loves manga, and now Sandman seems to be the first American comic that he is enjoying. I just wanted to drop a line and say that your podcast led me to getting back into comics. I found a great local store, Fallout Comics in Tallahassee, Florida. Started a poll list, and I'm reading monthly books again after a long break. Now I leave comics laying around in the hopes they will be discovered and read by my son as well. Anyway, take it easy. P.S. Will, I'm a huge fan and I listen to I Will Write Your Book, Screw It Beatles, all your appearances on CBB, and whatever else I happen to hear of you appearing. Kevin, you should do huh. more podcast appearances. We know, Will, but you're a mystery, or at least I would like to hear more comedy from you. Thanks for all the free entertainment. Um, oh, that's quite nice. Yeah, I love that when people get into comics uh, or get back into comics because of us. So that's really great. Yeah. Thanks for telling us um, that. A lot of podcasts are done in L.A., so I, I'm, uh, uh, I don't. That's true. LA is, LA is
0: way more of a podcast culture than New York. I mean, when I moved from New York to LA, like I went from being someone who rarely listened to podcasts to like, I had to just to be able to maintain my friendships with people.
1: Yeah. So I don't, maybe I wouldn't get asked even if I was in LA, but I certainly, uh, pre pandemic, nobody was really doing them other than you and me over zoom that much. So yeah, uh, I, I don't get asked to do them. Uh, I would do them. But, uh, yeah, I'm not in that loop.
0: Um, Yeah, it, part of it is definitely being in L.A.
1: Like, it's it's crazy. It doesn't hurt. Yeah. Uh, we have one more. Okay. This is from uh, Tony Labra. Dear Kevin Will, I had the opportunity to join my daughter's podcast. See, she doesn't even ask me to do her podcast. That hurts. Yeah. Uh, I had the opportunity to join my daughter's podcast where she and her friend host a weekly discussion on a variety of topics they ask listeners to rank slash vote. This week's episode was to rank your top 10 favorite MCU movies, and I was their first guest because of my so-called expertise on the merry Marvel universe. They specifically invited me to speak to little-known comic book-related tidbits that moviegoers would not necessarily know about the characters. Boy, do I have a whole new level of respect for the Heinz brothers now. This podcast this podcast business is not as easy as you two make it look. I was channeling the milksop vibe you both effortlessly exude and just blanked several times. Milksop vibe. <laughs> gave out wrong info. How many times have I yelled out loud while listening to you two calling Betty Ross Betsy or Flash Thompson yeah. Flash Gordon or my favorite one, Will was asked to describe Sergeant Rock from memory? That was a dumpster fire. <laughs> well can i tell you that i couldn't because i did i did nick fury yeah, you right? described nick fury which i think is a fair <laughs> mistake uh, well i can tell you that i couldn't even remember robert downey jr's name couldn't name stanley's cameo in each of the movies can you guys i cannot i cannot i can name some of them but uh and yeah. said that thor was banished into space instead of hulk to set up planet hulk and inspire the ragnarok movie guys great job on what you professionals do week in and week out. And I promise to do my homework if and ever get invited on yours or any comic book podcast in the future. My pitch to you is that I was a sucker for the ads in early comics and I could speak to the power of comic book advertising. I ordered those so-called x-ray glasses from Johnson and Smith. I <laughs> ordered those stupid sea monkeys. I fell for Puff the Magic Dragon. There was nothing more than an emaciated lizard that was near death when delivered via mail. Uh, and then he sends us a link to his daughter's podcast. Um,
0: Uh, that's very cool. Yeah. That's really generous of them to be forgiving of our mistakes. (laughs) There are, there are podcasts that are, that are way better than us, certainly way better than me on getting their facts right. But, um, it, it is also tough when you're, when you're rambling and you, you journey to a subject you weren't ready to talk about necessarily. And you got to try to come up with on the fly, the right info. It's tough. I've
1: been sampling a lot of different comic book podcasts, uh, during the pandemic, just like one here, there. Uh, and a lot of them are written. (laughs) well like they were like these people are going from scripts really yeah they've like written up scripts with like their talk about the comic that they're detailing and the jokes are like written in what sometimes uh, a couple of them i know like they make jokes about doing multiple takes and there's like bloopers at the end and i'm like well we don't do any of that so
0: none of that i don't know if that's good or bad like
1: um so I don't know.
0: I, I I definitely should do more prep. I was I was listening to this podcast. Um, don't let's start this uh, podcast on they might be giants, uh, mm-hmm. the the band that I love. You're a big fan, and I really enjoy this podcast. And it is like obsessively researched, like and and edited really well. They they don't script their conversation, but like they have notes and bullet points. And they, um, they get sound clips to give examples of everything they mention. They pretty thoroughly go over every... I mean, it's like really educational and I'm loving it. And our podcast is nothing like that. Yeah. I mean, it's nowhere nowhere near that good. I mean, and Sandman, like I said, there is an annotated Sandman. There is a published version of Sandman <laughs> yes. with like extensive footnotes that like says what every visual reference is. And, and uh, I think I've even read... It, I think part of it was online and I read... A lot of it, but, um, I don't have it and I didn't get it.
1: I mean, also part of what we do is our connection to these comics, which isn't necessarily something you can research. It's just sort of like, these are the feelings we had reading it. This is why we get emotional about it. This is why we keep going back to these books. Yeah. Um, anyway, if any of our listeners want to check out Kaylin's podcast, it's called Yo Dat's Rank. (laughs) <laughs> y-o-d-a-t-s rank r-a-n-k so check it out pretty cool that's our last email um i got a couple of things for you will real okay. quick because uh, we we've already we've already gone pretty long in this wrap-up that i thought would be quick
0: i talk too much uh, that's okay uh
1: let's see uh, p- 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 no we already sort of covered some of the stuff we sort of covered um <laughs> here's a dumb one map the endless to the cast of friends. Jesus. Go.
0: All right, Destiny is Gunther. <laughs> okay. Um let's see. Dream is Ross, okay? Um Death is Monica. Um Delirium's Phoebe. Um Chandler is um, Lucian. Okay. Um, Joey is Merv Pumpkinhead. Okay. Uh, Rachel is Thessaly. Um, that's that's uh, that's it. That's
1: those are the friends. Yeah, I you did got, the you friends. Got, and Gunther. You got Gunther. Good. That was nice of you to include Gunther. Yeah. Um, some of the stuff I wrote. Desi-
0: about- D- Desire is the copy shop girl that Ross has the affair oh, with. Oh
1: man. Don't bring her um, up. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. Um, some of these things I wrote notes, like like things to discuss. It just sort of came up naturally. I wrote one down like delirium show. I wrote down question mark, which you brought up naturally. Um, uh, uh what can I say, man? I'm, I'm with it. So here's the thing I wrote down. This is a thought I had while I was writing up questions for you. None of which I'm going to ask, I think. Um, None of what you're going to ask. Most either we've covered parts of them or they're not that okay. interesting. We don't have time. But um, okay. sorry. I wrote down what I think are the, and you can tell me if this is right or wrong, the five uh, uh, eras of Will's comic book obsession. Okay. First, the digest that we had. Marvel reprints. And those DC reprints too, but just like those little digest reprinting old comics.
0: Yeah. go into Walden Books, buying like paperback collections of comics Mm -hmm. and then reading
1: them. Yeah. Then I think the next evolution for you was Frank Miller's peak stuff. Daredevil, Batman. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh,
1: Then, I might have the order of this wrong, then Zot? Uh, I think that's right. I went
0: deeper into Zot. Yes, that's right. After after the Miller... And then Love and and Rockets...
1: Mm-hmm. So that order, mm-hmm. I wasn't sure about. I didn't know if Love and Rock was before Zot or. kind
0: of overlaps with Zot, but it went a lot longer than Zot, so yeah. it feels like it went out. But Zot feels yeah. like
1: sort of a nice, to me, like a way to s- slip out of comic books, superhero comic books, into more artsy uh, yeah. black Because it's stuff. a superhero yeah. comic book. <laughs> yes. Uh, then Sandman. S-
0: well, Sandman is. Bef- um. Concurrent with Love and Rockets. Well, you can, Love and Rockets it, ran forever. But actually, Love and Rockets ended in 96 and then started up again in 2001. Okay. And they did solo books in the interim. So Sandman and Love and Rockets ended the same year. But had,
1: were you already into Sandman when Love when you discovered Love and Rockets? Or were you reading Love and Rockets when you discovered Sandman? I uh, They started about the same time. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I might have started Love and Rockets a little bit before. Do you think there's any other... Comic that had the impact of any of those, and maybe those aren't the big Maybe Zot doesn't matter. Um, first of all, thank you for paying enough attention
0: to the things I read that you can even do that. Yeah, but I, I think that's pretty good. I feel like there's Dan, Dan Klaus and like just fantagraphics in general, mm-hmm. and like, um, so, sort of like D- Dan Klaus, Chris Ware, the Los Bros Hernandez, looking back at R. Crumb, Peter Bag, Peter Bag, you were. Um,
1: I'm trying to think of the things that I just remember you talking about and going back to all the time. Um,
0: like early 90s Fantagraphics yeah. and adjacent alt comics were, and Sandman was like all I read in the first half of the 90s. Yeah. Like while the clone saga was going on with Spider-Man and I, I kind of faded out of, and like the Todd McFarlane image comics stuff and like... Um, I, and the death of Superman, like I was unplugged from superhero stuff and I was plugged into that stuff Mm -hmm. like Seattle alt things. And then in the late nineties, you and I basically, well, I got an email account and you and I started talking comics and you got me back into superhero comics starting in the mid nineties and then gradually, and I haven't really ever been that connected Mm -hmm. since, but I got, I got a little bit more in touch with it through talking with you.
1: Yeah. Yeah but I don't think there's been anything since then that's had an impact where it's like, no, that's excited nothing. you about comic books the way those other things. I mean, I don't even list Alan Moore on there, even though I think he had an impact, but I don't feel like he hit you as hard as those other things. I could be wrong. I mean, on I, that. Did,
0: I read tons of Alan. Sure. Moore. I mean, you like read I, his
1: entire swamp thing run and, and, uh, league of extraordinary gentlemen
0: yeah. and like all of his, um, ABC comic stuff and, uh, you know, V for Vendetta and, um, miracle man. But that felt
1: to me, um, for you, at least, uh, for me, my vision of you, it felt like Frank Miller dwarfed that.
0: Yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, like th- that's true. And also the Alan Moore stuff almost felt like I was reading books. Like I, I would, I would read that. Like I would read like a book or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas Frank Miller was something I'm going to the comic shop waiting for the new issue yeah. When born again came out, it like blew me away yeah. and incinerated me.
1: Cause I mean, you also really liked F- fantastic four by John Byrne, but I don't remember that having, I think you just like enjoyed it. That was, was like, Oh, this is really good. You're right. I mean, I went nuts for
0: Frank Miller. I was telling her I wouldn't, wouldn't shut up about him. Yeah. Yeah. I loved him.
1: Um, anyway, that's just a thought I had. If people are working on a Will Hines comic book, re- uh, <laughs> retrospective, I'd start with <laughs> those books. Yeah. Um, what, what
0: would be that for you? I don't know. I'll take a guess and I have not thought about it at yeah. all. So I think you also start with the digests and stuff. Yes. And then I think you go into like early outer limits comics phase, which is like John Byrne, Star Trek, Teen Titans kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's, where do I put this? When do you get into like Skeleton Key and Kane and like kind of. That was all post-college. Stuff? Okay, so that is a chapter, Yeah, we'll put that later. So in between Outer Limits comics and that, how about Bone and
1: Nightwing? Yeah, that right? was like high school. Nightwing, uh, well, I, mean, I always liked the character of Nightwing, but the, uh, um, like I always liked Robin Dick Race and the character, but I read Teen Titans comics and didn't like them. I always wanted them to be good, because <laughs> I didn't mm-hmm. read Teen Titans during its peak. I read it like at the tail end of its existence. I would yeah. say Peter David probably is my second. Oh, right, right, right. Um, the
0: Hulk and all that stuff. Yeah.
1: My second, um, period of comics. Cause see, that was like the first writer that I would follow to a new title. Okay. Um, and then probably, I mean, I mean, I read a ton of superhero stuff, but did any of that impact me as much? I don't know. Justice league international probably unless you encompass that into Peter David. Um, but then the next, the next change is probably, uh, uh, Scrooge, Uncle Scrooge comics.
0: Oh, right. That, yeah.
1: Cause I read that before bone and I read indie stuff, but I don't know if I read a ton. Um, like I would read like Richard Sala stuff, but I don't know. Right. There was never enough of that. Um, and then like Kurt Busaic superhero stuff brought me back to comic yeah. books. And then, right. yeah, after I graduated college is when I discovered Skeleton Key and Kane and... Um, Jonan v- Vasquez, who did Johnny the Homicidal Maniac and uh, and a squee. A squee, which I think is great. Um, and a bunch of stuff like that, just like lots of weird stuff that Slave Labor Comics did a bunch of stuff, like uh, Mr. Blank, that I think is a really fun, weird book. Replacement yeah. Gods was a really cool book that never really got started, barely got started. That I think is still,
0: yeah, I'm, re- I'm, a, I'm a replacement god, it was
1: tremendously cool. Um, so that's when I got into like my indie scene was much later.
0: That Tide Templeton did the replacement God?
1: No, that's, you're thinking of, uh, Stig's Inferno.
0: Oh, right, right, right.
1: Replacement God was by the guy who did, uh, Xander Cannon. There was somebody. Yes. Z- who did, and he uh, escaped.
0: Top. He es- the, before the action of the comic, he escapes from a prison. And yes. within each issue, there's a flashback to one of his
1: escape attempts. There's some of the issues have like one page, uh, uh, uh Newt's escapes. Number like yeah. 45 or whatever. But it was just yeah. like a very convoluted story in the sort of mythical place that I thought was just really cool. I think it just didn't sell and he couldn't keep doing it. Uh, and then he yeah. started making money doing like layouts for top 10 or whatever. Uh, yeah. He's since done some comics on his own. They're great. Uh, he's really good. I like Xander Cannon a lot. Cool. He does a, a thing that is basically Oz, the, um, the prison HBO show crossed with yeah. Godzilla it's like <laughs> weird it's like an island where they send all the giant monsters <laughs> um, and it's basically a series about them and it's you know fun and silly but, but also like yeah. well done uh, anyway we're gonna take next week off
0: yeah and then we're gonna come back and
1: do Kevin's picks we're gonna do three recent comics so these aren't necessarily like my favorite things these are just three comics I haven't picked them yet one will be a mortal hulk I'll make you read an issue of Immortal Hulk. Okay. Um, and then two other things, just like these are current things that are going on. We're mostly just filling time till Christmas. Yeah. Then we'll take we're a gonna few weeks We're going to come back in off. January
0: and do the Secret Wars. Right.
1: We'll come back in January fresh and do the Secret Wars, which is what we've been talking about doing after Sam and we're going to push it off till January. Yeah. Um, and we'll do it right. Meaning no research quickly. Uh, <laughs> lots of mistakes. <laughs> Uh, bad takes let's script
0: one let's script one episode and do multiple takes mm-hmm. and stuff we'll see what if it's like a huge hit no way I don't have the time for that
1: okay <laughs> uh, but yeah so all right well f- we'll see you guys in two weeks thanks for listening everybody bye comics an NPE is? Yeah, that's okay, no one does. It's a non-paternal event, and it's what they call it when you do a DNA test and find out that you actually are the milkman's son, or your parents used a sperm donor, or you were adopted and no one ever told you. I'm Eve Sturgis, host of Everything's Relative, where I invite my guests to talk about DNA discoveries and how spitting into a tube has changed their lives for better or worse. Episodes are out every other Friday. Find them on Campfire Media or subscribe wherever you find your podcasts.
0: Campfire.